You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are doing a sermon series called Christmas at the Movies. This is where we take some Christmas movies to help us understand the biblical truths behind the Advent themes uh, uh, that we have going on with our candles. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to text that number. Send, I get it. We can take some time at the end if we have time to answer any questions. I've gotten questions the last, I don't know, two or three questions in the last month. It's just your phone, just a text, text that number. I get it. That's the church phone number two. It comes right here. I currently have texts from Comcast and PG&E, and so there was a power outage yesterday, apparently, here. Uh, but yeah, we're doing, using classic Christmas movies to illustrate the biblical truths behind each theme of our Advent candles. And like we've been saying, today is the theme of peace. Last week was hope. Last week was hope, and we did It's a Wonderful Life, a classic movie. This week, we're going to go a little bit newer. I imagine that a lot of us haven't seen it, but I'm going to do it anyways. I hope that's okay with you. Uh, you know me, I'll take at least 10 minutes to explain the plot right up front. I'm going to use the movie Klaus on Netflix. came out in 2019. It's lovely. It's a classic in our family. I did, you know, It's a Wonderful Life last week. Let's go new. Here's the plot. There's a rich, spoiled kid lounging around. Not a care in the world. His dad oversees the mail system. He's a, in charge of the post office for this world. He says, no more lounging around, being lazy, just living off my hard work. You're going to grow up. You're going to become a man. We're going to send you somewhere to be a postman, and it's going to be the hardest charge we have. It's going to be the hardest place to be a mailman. So they send him to this place called Schmierensburg, it looks gray, it dismal, and if you think it looks that way, that's because it is. Gray and dismal. His dad says, you can't leave until you deliver 6,000 letters. But no one sends any letters because everybody hates each other. <laughs> so the post office is a chicken coop. If you can't tell, that's a chicken. It hasn't been used in years. Everybody hates each other. There's essentially two families on this island, the Crumbs and the Ellen Bows, and they hate each other, and it's cartoon violence, and they literally beat each other up every day. Everyone is miserable. This feud has gone on forever to the point that they call it tradition. They have whole museums dedicated to their hatred for one another, divided. Clans. One clan has red hair. One clan is all dressed in all dark and black and... They hate each other going back generations, fighting and fighting and fighting. And the mailman can't get any letters delivered. And then a third character enters, the, the, the title character. There's a man named Klaus. He's the woodsman, lives far away from the drama, moved up into the hills, cuts down firewood. He, he does everything that has to do with wood and wood crafting. His story is, is that he was married at one point and desired a large family. And in the meantime, 
waiting for kids, he made lots and lots of toys out of the wood that he was cutting down. And family never came. And then his wife got sick and passed away, and he lived up in the mountains by himself. Klaus gets a hold of a drawing that some kid did from down in the village, and the kid is sad. Looks like he's in prison in his own house, hiding behind this window. This, this, uh, this drawing makes its way to Klaus. The mailman sees an opportunity, and he's like, maybe we can get some letters rolling. Gets it into Klaus's hands. Klaus and the mailman decide that they're going to try to cheer up this child, and they, in the middle of the night, they put some toy, a toy in his house, a little frog that jumps around. The toy breeds new life into the community, so that now at least these two kids from opposing clans are playing together. There's a little bit of joy in their life. They see this, the community sees this, especially the kids. The kids see a toy, some life, some color, something joyful. And so they all start sending letters through the postman to Klaus. They decide to send more toys, sneak in in the middle of the night. You get it through fireplaces and windows. They have to go through scary stuff. But those toys bring joy to the children and the joy of the children start transforming the town to the point that everything gets transformed. And no longer is it dreary and gray, but it's beautiful and it's decorated and people are spending time together. The climax of the movie is that the mailman says, let's give every kid a toy on Christmas. No one's ever thought of this before. And so he comes up with a plan, Christmas, every kid a toy. They decide they're going to do it. Klaus has a red suit. I think you know where this is going. There's their toys. It's hard to see a big sack of toys on their sleigh. And there's the family leaders, the clan leaders, who have joined together to stop the peace because it's ruining their town in their eyes. They can't stand to see the joy and the camaraderie and the community. And so they've band together for one purpose, to stop this plan, to heal their town because of tradition. Because this isn't the way that things are supposed to be. We've been fighting for ages and ages and ages. We need it to be like that. It keeps them in power. It helps them feel comfortable. And so they've come to stop them. They don't. Sorry to spoil the movie for you, but the good guys win. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie like that before. <laughs> the good guys win. The kids get presents. And the town is cemented into now a, a place of community and togetherness. And I love it. And I cry every time. We're going to use this movie to illustrate this week's theme of peace in the midst of division and dismalness. God desires for us a life of peace. A life of peace. What is it? What is biblical peace? What is Christian peace? As always, head our hands, something for us to know, feel, do. Asking the questions, what does God want us to have as far as information goes so that we can experience the emotion, the transformation within so that we can then act out of God's transforming work into the world around us? So this is the questions I ask. What does God want us to know, feel, and do? One of my college students is here, and I use this exact thing to talk about articles we've read, so I feel so bad for them. They've had me all week, no feel, do, head, heart, hands. Thanks for hearing it one more time, brother. Good to see you. 
What does God want us to know, feel, do? For me, this is the information piece when it comes to the biblical theme of peace. The peace of Christ is different from the peace of the world. We've got to start there. Because if we conflate them, if we get them mixed up, we're going to be putting our hope for peace in the wrong things. Jesus tells us this clearly. Peace I leave with you. I give to you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. The world offers a different peace than the peace of Christ. If you get that confused, if you just think any peace is peace, then you're going to be starting off on the wrong foundation for what peace is. Take a look at the scene from the movie about division. of the proud crumb. Get on with it already. Shut up, you idiot. I'm getting to it. I, leader of the proud. Oh, forget it. The mood is gone. You know why I'm calling this meeting. Yeah, I know. Of course I know. Uh, midnight brawl? Look around, Axel. Where is your clan? Huh. I'll tell you where they are. They're at block parties, hay rides, and cookouts. Brunches! Don't forget about the brunches! It was a book club that took my postman! <laughs> you see? The postman and that old toy maker are brainwashing everyone! What are you saying? I'm saying it's time to join forces against a common enemy. I'm saying we need a truce. <gasps> a truce? Have you gone mad? Either we band together to take care of this, or it's going to be all book clubs and cookouts and from butchers. here. Don't forget about the yes, butchers. that, that too. So we must join together in peace to help stop this peace. Our ancestors demanded for the Ellingbow bloodline for the Crumbs' honor. The clans are on the war path. Together! Peace to stop peace, right? They're having peace. The world works hard to undermine the peace of Christ and offers an alternative peace. They think the peace that they're going to bring about through tradition or the way things always been, or they're just trying to bring things back to normal. They think normalcy is peace, even though it's full of tension and strife and grief and gray and dismal. The world works hard. Satan works hard to undermine the peace of Christ by trying to get you to seek your peace in things that aren't ultimately peaceful. Maybe relief, but not peaceful. In Jesus' time, Augustus, Caesar, the Roman emperors, the leaders, they promised peace. They called it Pax Romana. And what they meant by that is we're going to make sure we win every war, so don't worry about that. We got that. We're going to provide bread for everyone so that everyone's at least a little bit fed. And we're going to provide circuses in their stadiums, in their arenas. And so they promised Pax Romana, and part of that was bread, Uh, a lack of war, which wasn't true, they were always at war, and circuses, games, entertainment. Our world offers us the same thing. 
consumerism, entertainment, comfort. I know this is true because I'm thinking about Christmas. I'm thinking about the presents I'm getting my kid, and I'm going, did, did we get them enough? Racked with grief about enoughness of Christmas presents, you know? Just no peace about that, thinking, man, if I could just spend a couple more dollars on a couple more things, then maybe we can have enough to make it something that was worthwhile. I have that ingrained in me, too. Entertainment, consumerism, comfort. You know it's true. I mean, look at phones cheap right now. The new iPhone 15 on us. Distracted. Game. Circuses right here. Comfort. I, me, too. You know what? Inflation. Can't afford a sack of flour, but you know what never rises in prices? TVs. Going down. TVs are never going up. Hey, by the way, Walmart has a 65-inch 4K UHD for $298. I heard a kid laugh. I don't know if they know that's funny, but it is funny. TVs never go up in price. Everything else, doubling, tripling, my, 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 my grocery list, my grocery budget is significantly higher. TVs, though, dirt cheap. Get them, just have them. Black Friday is six months long now for some reason. Remember, remember in the good old days when we used to trample people one day a year? Now it's a month. Come, bread, you know what's always cheap? Taco Bell boxes. I don't even know what's in them. Five bucks. They're like, it's dog food? I'm like, give it, just give it to me. Just whatever's in the box, just funnel it towards me. Comes with a soda. Five bucks. Never goes up. There are a $10 box. I don't get those. I get the $5 one. Are my 49ers absolutely dominating every team they face? A hundred percent. Not an, did we cry? They were like, the Eagles are tough though. And you're in their hometown. And we're like, how about we just dunk on them so hard? <laughs> 42 to 19. Okay. Maybe they're not as good as they thought they were. Circuses, man. This is, this is stadium. This is arenas. I love it. I'm watching it. I'm not judging you, but. I do feel a bit more peace when they win, you know, like when things are. <laughs> the world has all kinds of places to offer you peace. It is not a lasting or sustaining peace. It's actually a, a peace that's grounded in more anxiety and fear, but it gives us a temporary relief. And so TVs are cheap and Taco Bell is cheap and sports are always on every single day of the year. The world will offer us a false peace through consumerism and entertainment and comfort, but true peace comes to our lives through the presence of Christ. This is what scripture wants us to know, that there is a real peace, that that desire you have for peace is real, but we have to put our hope and faith in the right place to, to receive it. We put our faith in the peace of Christ, not the peace of Rome or whatever country or our country or the peace of the world. Uh, this is the peace that we're seeking. This is the place and the peace. What does God want us to feel in the midst of this? In, in multiple places where peace is talked about, fear is also talked about. The power of peace 
Uh, Peace has the power to release us from fear. Some scripture for us. In the one we just read, Jesus said, not the world's peace. I don't give it like the world gives it. I give my peace. I leave with you. Don't be troubled or afraid. There's a, a contrast, a juxtaposition, a pairing of peace and fear here. We see it again in Luke 2 with the angelic announcement that Jesus is born. Do not be afraid. I bring you glad tidings, great joy. A baby is born. That's the place of peace. And it is peace on earth. Fear and peace are connected. And what God wants us to know and feel is that fear, we get released from our fear when we put our faith correctly in the peace of Christ. The best antidote to fear from the world and our lives, all that stuff, is Christ's peace. But what if... How long will it last? Is it enough? These are the questions that creep into us. These are the questions that creep into this film when they decide they're going to give every kid a Christmas toy. The families show up to destroy them and they try to plant a seed of doubt through fear about enoughness. Take a look. Well, well, isn't this convenient? What are you doing here? Why, we were just thinking. Don't our children also deserve a present? And looky here. You've already got her favorite thing in the world. A nice big piñata. <gasps> hey, you put uh, one hand on those toys and I swear... Stand I... back. All right, do what you will with the toys. But no one gets hurt. Suits us just fine. <sighs> How long until children go back to the old ways once there are no toys to bribe them with? How long until they turn against each other? And how long until the grown-ups follow? That's all we get. That's all we get. Just that much. What if... Those seeds of doubt are small. What if? What if? I mean, this is garden stuff. This is Adam and Eve stuff. This is the serpent in in the garden saying, did God really say? It's always those questions that are the small, seemingly rational questions that fester underneath and grow into fear and doubt and anxiety. They make room for lots of fear in our life. What if once those kids don't get those toys, everything goes back to the way it was, right? Same with me. What if I just didn't get enough for Christmas? Is Christmas ruined? What if? What if we, what if there's not enough? What if I'm not enough? What if Christ isn't enough? What if I put my hope here and it doesn't work? It doesn't bring the peace that I want or need. I can at least get some relief from Taco Bell and TVs. What if I do this Christ thing and it's just not enough? How long until it fades? These are the questions that creep in to create doubt and fear and anxiety. And fear brings out our worst selves and leads to a worse life which is one of the ways that we know that when we have a significant amount of fear, 
that causes us to turn our attention away from Jesus, that's not from Jesus. That that is certainly from our spiritual enemy who desires for us to suffer unwell. But God desires for us peace. A peace that is powerful enough to release us from fear. Do not be afraid, the angel said. Jesus says, don't be troubled or afraid. It's my peace that I leave you. Not this half-hearted, worse, fake peace that the world is offering. It's my peace. Jesus desires for you a deep, real, lasting peace that releases you from fear. What What are we supposed to do? What's the action then? The head is that Jesus and the world's peace are different. The heart is that this peace is powerful enough to release us from fear, that God does not want us to experience large amounts of fear. Ultimately, what are we supposed to do then? Scripture encourages us that once you know that and once you've received that peace, then you've got to spread it. Jesus tells us to be peacemakers, to be the missing piece in your community and in your family and in your church and in your neighborhood by making peace. Missing peace by making peace. I spent a long time coming up with that, so I'm very particularly proud. <laughs> it's never been uttered in a sermon before. Jesus says that I could find blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called God's children. You want to have the family resemblance of the father? Peace make in your life, neighborhood, family, work, church, wherever you are. You want to be a blessing? Be a peacemaker. Reconcile your world that you inhabit by embodying the peace that Jesus has given to you. A major theme in this movie is about good deeds. Uh, I took a six-minute clip, and I boiled it down to two minutes. So if it's a little choppy, uh, forgive me. But take a look at the consequences of peacemaking in this movie. You guess? Oh, wow, you have no idea what you've done, do you? Come on, I'll show you. Now, would you take a look at that? (laughs) Dear Mr. Klaus, I shoveled all the yards in my street today. That's good, right? Hi! That's what I did today. And yesterday, instead of stealing Mrs. Runa's berries, we picked them all up for her. She came to our house later, and she brought Mom lots of berry jam. And then Mom brought her a berry pie. Dear Mr. Klaus, I cleaned my dad's old clarinet. I hope I did a good job. He seemed happy. Can I get a toy, please? Ha, 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 ha.
And, and, and did you know that arson is down 70%? It's true. When's the last time you saw a house burn down? Precisely. The cookouts, swap meets, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like everyone's gone mad or something. A true selfless act always sparks another. Well, look who's suddenly a chatterbox. Tell me. <laughs> that... That is a theme, three or four times in the movie, this is kind of the running theme, that a true selfless act sparks another, brings community. I love the montage. You think he's going to fix his fence. He builds a play structure. They're, they're giving each other gifts out of spite with the berries and the pie, and then at the end, they're pulling each other in to eat it together. It's enough to just make me cry every time. When you see the full montage, if you watch this movie, let's see if you can make it through without choking back some tears. True selfless act always sparks another. This is the peacemaking good work that's going on in this community that's bringing about reconciliation and togetherness. I love it. I think it's emblematic of exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. It's hard to be a peacemaker, though. It's hard to be the first to break the cycles of cynicism and division and competition and normalcy, the normalcy of division. That normalcy that feels like peace because everything feels normal but is not. It's causing you to be comfortable with competition and community disruption. Jesus calls you to step in the middle, which is vulnerable and scary, to be peacemakers in your place of influence. Big long quote from one of my favorite thinkers, Dallas Willard. He says, peacemakers... Make the list that Jesus says are blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Make the list because outside the kingdom, they are, as is often said, called everything but a child of God. That is because they are always in the middle. On neither side trusts you because they know that you are looking at both sides. You can't possibly be on their side. But under God's rule, there is recognition that in bringing good to people who are in the wrong, as both sides usually are, you show the divine family resemblance because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. The peacemaker deals precisely with the ungrateful and the wicked, and anyone who has tried it, they well know that that's true. It's hard to be the peacemaker. It's hard to break the cycles. It's hard to be the one who initiates reconciliation. But this is the responsibility that we have, those of us who've tasted Christ's deep, true, everlasting peace. That once we know the difference and we've felt it in a way that dispels fear, we're the ones that our community is waiting for, empowered by Christ, to reconcile to heal, to be the bridge, to bring people together. But you can't start here. To be a peacemaker, we have to know the peace giver. You've got to start back at the head point. You have to know Jesus and his peace. You have to experience it. If you try to do it in your own power, you'll get burnt out. You'll get bit embittered. You'll get cynical. You'll get frustrated and upset. You might even do that. Tasting a little bit of Jesus' peace because it's so such difficult work, but the more you tap into the peace of Christ, uh, the more you're able to do this well. Then, once you know the peace giver, the Prince of Peace will call us to embody and work for peace in the world around us. Amen?
If you have any questions, feel free to send them. I have one. Now's a great time. Oh, man. Somebody said, how can we know that we're making a difference when we try to be peacemakers? As always, I'm going to encourage you to trust the Holy Spirit, to tap into the Spirit's guidance and wisdom on that. That's never going to be a bad, a bad answer. But if we're just going off what we talked about today, one way that I, maybe a fruit of good, honest peacemaking is, is something that doesn't bring about more fear, right? If fear gets dispelled in the actual peace of Christ, you might be able to measure your difference uh, by being able to measure the amount of fear that's happening within the situation that you're working towards. Could be one measure. And then as always, as, like we said with head, that, that, that peace is a, different than the world's peace. Christ's peace is different than the world's peace. So if people are seeking peace in the right way, in the right place, that also might be a good metric. Thank you for your question. And that's the only question. So here's my conclusion. Let's wrap up and head into a time of communion. God desires peace for you. That's why we emphasize it as we head into a often tumultuous time, uh, a time of lots of busyness. What God wants you to know is that the peace of Christ is different than the peace of the world. That has to be the first starting point to tapping in to the real peace of Christ. But once we know that, then we can access a peace that is so profound that it dispels and releases us from fear. The fear and anxiety and the worry that the world wants us to experience so that we continue to consume and scratch and climb and compete, we now aren't controlled by that fear that the world wants us to have. And once we've experienced Christ's peace, what are we supposed to do with it? Nothing else except share it with those around us. Be the blessing by sharing what we've received from Christ as intentional peacemakers in our community, reconciling the world around us. And with that, would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you desire for us peace in the middle of a world that wants us anxious, that wants us afraid. Would you help us to experience your peace? It is our prayer. It is why we're here. It is what we desire most of all. Help us to experience it. And then help us to not hoard it once we've experienced it. Help it to spill out of us unintentionally and intentionally to the people around us. And we will continue to look for your spirit's work in our life and to give you praise and thanks for the ways that you cultivate peace within us. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Table Church, will you help me finish that prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer? Saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name.